Ooh, I got I got burps, guys. Craig, you're oh, you're good. hearing the Carlos burps. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what's on the cutting room floor. It's like yeah. no burps all day. Oh, I have to record. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been saving it up just for this. That's the secret. Hero yeah, it's, secret a, it's like you. my crying on swim fans. We had to cut that out. <laughs> oh, I do all my crying before we record. I've learned to do that. <laughs> that's my secret. I'm always crying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. Oh, I'm Craig. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we are starting a new arc, not talking about you-know-who. Yeah, right. Um, I'm, I'm almost afraid of saying it because it'll just dive us back into that. But um, but this ready. week we are beginning our arc looking at uh, Hong Kong meets Hollywood with, with the Hong Kong personnel coming over to uh, U.S. Productions. And uh, this week we are starting it with Bloodsport from 1988, starring, of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme, who we saw him last week, and directed by Newt Arnold. And we are joined this week by uh, another one of the Swim fans, not just Alex this time. Uh, this is Craig. Yeah. Say hi, Craig. Hello. Uh, uh, runt of the litter uh, from Swim fans, Craig here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because I had I had I had mentioned doing a um, a Bloodsport episode to Alex, and Alex said you should get Craig on for that. Oh yeah, because I've seen this movie so. like a hundred times. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah yep, there you go. Yep, love it. But yeah, this is uh, this is Bloodsport. It's we're gonna try not to get too lost in the weeds on it, but it is uh, supposedly based on a true story. <laughs> in no. big old air quotes. It's based on a story. Um, of, we can say that. You gonna start with that? You're gonna start with that right away. <laughs> I mean, it's the I think it's the biggest thing. Of, like yeah. the thing about the movie, everyone is like, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat and Frank Dukes being an insane person <laughs> are the two the two things people think of when they see the movie. Well, I, I do. I think the beauty of that is that anybody watching the film, not knowing any of that, we're living in an age of with the internet. So anybody that looks up Bloodsport is gonna know this, but. When I saw this movie as a kid, <laughs> I watched the whole movie. And yeah, this movie rules. I love this movie. And I mean, I watch it many, many times. But at the very end of the film <laughs> is when you find that fact out. And not only do you find that out, but you see all of these stats, all of these numbers, this kind right. of really braggadocious statement at the end of the movie. And you're like, wait, what? I was dumbfounded, you know, because even as a kid, you have a sense of like what is plausible and what yeah would be far fetched. Yeah, but the the thing that I think made that work in that era is that you know we don't have all the information at our fingertips, and this is also like kind of I mean for me personally, this is the era of schoolyard rumors and stuff. You know, <laughs> I I heard this dude did this, and I heard this. This happened, and actually, you know, Nintendo, it, you know, it, blah blah blah. You know, all these my, like fun. My, my cousin's playing Final Fantasy twenty. They're already yeah. on twenty in Japan. Right. Yeah, I mean, even flipping through video game magazine, you'd see like I might have made literally the same joke in the last episode. I'm sorry, oh. I did, listeners. <laughs> no, it's that good. It needs to come back. <laughs> 
when I'd flip through these magazines, I'd see like this game's out in Japan. What is this cool game I've never heard of? So, um, I mean, I was all in with Bloodsport mm-hmm. and, and I love this movie. And I mean, we, we were talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme a little bit on the last episode, but this is basically the, the, the starring role that kind of shot him into, uh, you know, action cinema. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you, you see it in the movie. He's got charisma and he looks really good uh, doing the splits. I think he does the splits mm-hmm. like 13 times in this movie. <laughs> and um, He does in various states of undress. You never yeah. know when someone's going to the bathroom. So you want to yeah, <laughs> give multiple opportunities. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a really good time. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited to be talking about mm-hmm. it today. So yeah, Craig, what's your history with the movie? I mean, this was something that every time it was on, you know, my dad and I would watch it um, or my dad and my friends or I would come home from school and my friends would already be at my house watching Bloodsport. Um, (laughs) In fact, uh, I was kind of like meditating on like when the last or just kind of my experience with it. And the last time I ever had a sleepover in high school, which like you know, you kind of blossom into like semi adulthood where you become too old for sleepovers. My last sleepover, I remember we watched Bloodsport. Um, it was just always on. Uh, I don't think that we owned it. Um, it, it's uh, just was something that was so ubiquitous. It, it seemed to be permanent. Like there, you know, it's like a, a Christmas story on Christmas Day. How it's like looping on a channel. Yeah. Um, right, right. It seemed like it was always on like HBO or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, just the, um, the, the tight runtime, uh, all the kind of, uh, amazing, uh, characters that get sketched out, uh, the, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful kinetic, uh, movie that's pretty undeniable. I mean, um, yeah, yeah I, I adore it. It's definitely like a foundational movie for me, um, in terms of, I don't know, movies in general. I, you know, I, I don't even want to silo it into like, Oh, it was like really formative in terms of action or like martial mm. arts. It's just like, no, right. this is like like a like a, a Craig movie. You know, it like occupies <laughs> some sort of structural pillar in the Jenga tower. That's my psyche, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. it's like oh, there. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, no, I hadn't actually seen it for, for many years and yeah, I was really thrilled how well it held up. And I don't know, it, it's funny because it's not as though it's like a who's who behind the camera or, um, or I don't know, really anywhere involved in kind of like the shaping of the film. I can't really explain how the final product ended up like this where I, I feel like it's honestly one of the better paced films, just period. There's something about it where once it gets going, it's just, it's effortless to, mm-hmm. to watch Bloodsport. And um, I think for me, it being more of kind of like a hardcore fan of, you know, the Hong Kong action style and a lot of the Peking opera style, I've actually never been as into the combat side of it as, which sounds stupid. It's like, wait, what else is there to the movie? But honestly, <laughs> I don't know. It's like there's there's this really cool momentum on the one hand, and then there's just kind of like comfort food, like palling around vibe. yeah. I don't know. It's kind of undeniable. It's just really, yeah, I could totally picture what you're saying, Craig, where it's like, you're almost like helpless to like push it into the VCR again yeah. and again. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I would liken it and this might be too much of a, uh, to, to Mean Girls where Mean Girls has what I would claim to be a supernatural oh. rewatchability. Um, you know, 
I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Like yeah. it's in a it's a very different vibe, but it's the same like chill out, hang out. You can just kind of watch it from wherever. It's you know it makes the most sense from start to finish, but like you really can just pick it up in the middle and you'll you know you'll still enjoy yourself. Or keep it on loop even. Yeah, and it's 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 yeah it's tightly paced too. Like everything is like yes. so um uh, uh dagger sharp in terms of you know n- nothing lingers too long um the mm-hmm. longer sequences get broken up by montages um it's just uh it all flows it's just like mm-hmm. you know um it's just like a, a good three minute pop song that you can't really turn off you know it's just like yeah totally it's good it's just it's it's never not good passively actively watching it it's mm-hmm. always good Right. I imagine this is like the ultimate sick day movie. Oh mm. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I, ha- I, I don't know this for sure. Cause the first time I watched this whenever I was in college, um, but it was, it honestly probably was a sick day. Mm. It was probably just a day where I was just home. Like no, like maybe I was, I was at school, but everyone else had gone home for the weekend or something. And I was just like, you know, I've heard of this movie. Oh, I'll check it out. It's on Netflix <laughs> at the time. And I'm like, yeah, let's just, just check it out. For me, and for me, this is I, I, I mentioned Blockbuster last episode. And I this is a very Blockbuster yeah, movie. <laughs> I, I think actually as we go through this arc of films, it's basically for me, it's like the Blockbuster arc of <laughs> Heroes yeah, 3. Yeah. But um, I think I mentioned it on the podcast, but I was very blessed to have a double VCR set up in my home. So what <laughs> we could do is whenever we would rent a movie, we'd be able to mm-hmm. record it onto another tape. So I basically had this pool of films and um, naughty, naughty. Yeah. Like, like Craig was saying, um, I have so many memories about um, my dad, you know, liking these films and, um, you know, me seeing these films through um, like my dad's taste. And I mean, it's it was pretty formative for me, too. And um, yeah, I got I got to shout out my dad for that. Honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all mm-hmm. of Heroes 3 basically is, is like foundationally because of what my dad showed me. And I mean, we talked about Enter the Dragon, too, in the same way. And um we're also talking about the ripple effect from Hong Kong cinema here, and we don't have a Hong Kong director, but um, I believe so many um, of the like the foundational pillars of this movie are really based in like I mean it's it's almost like a reaction to Enter the Dragon. We've got Bolo Young in this film as a heavy. Mm-hmm. We've got Roy Chow cast in this film as well. We've mm-hmm. got um, location shots in Hong Kong. We've got um, all of these kind of tropes. This is almost like um, got international agents yeah, that are working for people, yeah. right? And I feel like it's almost like your your uncle's take on like making his own kung fu movie. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And yeah, yeah. It's like all but of the absolutely coolest... the the cool uncle and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. All the coolest yeah. bits from like all of the different movies that he's watched. He makes his own movie, and that's what. Bloodsport ends up to be and i mean not to get into frank dukes again but like you could argue that this is like kind of a stream of consciousness like tale of like 
amazement and adventure you know oh and uh, you know what and i was a ninja and also um i worked in the army and i escaped and i had to fight in a secret death tournament and uh also people try to catch me but i was so good that they didn't want to catch me anymore yeah Yeah. as the movie just progresses it just is like oh yeah okay if you're watching it coded with the fact that this is apparently a true story you're watching and you're like all right all right come on Oh really? Really, yeah. you're gonna get it get it on with the reporter? Yeah, it's, Which it's the friend that you don't even like. You're tired of telling mm-hmm. them that's dumb. That's not true. You're just like, oh really? Oh cool. Yeah. Uh huh. That happened too. Cool. Cool. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, it's it's such a great time. And um, yeah. oh yeah, I I do. <laughs> I have a, this is almost this is a Heroes Three exclusive. So I have oh. a coworker. <laughs> yep. That um. While at work doing different things, sometimes I'm just striking up conversation. And once I remember just saying like, like Kung Fu movies came up and the people that I was talking to, it was almost like a joke that I brought up Kung Fu movies because I figured, oh, these people aren't going to care about Kung Fu movies. And uh, my coworker, she says to me, well, have you ever seen Bloodsport? And I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) of course. I love Bloodsport. She's like, well, one of my childhood friends is in Bloodsport. And I was like... Wait a second. What did you just say? She's mm. like, His yeah, name is yeah. There's like, Whitaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, you, there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where there are these kids that are oh, like, the you know, causing some trouble. Friends. Yeah. And um, they're like stealing a sword. And I was like, are you? serious right now like she's like yeah there's a boy in there he's got a striped shirt and he actually takes a sword i grew up with that that kid he's one of like my oldest like childhood friends and because she grew up in hong kong and i had no idea about any of this and i was like well when whenever i do this like because i'm sure i'll probably talk about this can i please just mention this she's like oh yeah I lo- i'd love that that's so oh, that's cool that's amazing <laughs> so like cool. it's insane to think i mean i mean if you think about it I'm what one or two steps, two degrees or three degrees away from yeah. Bruce Lee. If you think about or Jackie Chan, <laughs> even because Jackie was in Enter the Dragon. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's really funny, dude. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. We want to dive into the movie itself. Beautiful. Yeah, let's do it. I'd love to. All right, but first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. A true martial artist strives to be the best, looking inward and outward for improvement constantly. But in the end, the only way to really know is to face your opponent and stand above them in victory. Frank Dukes has been trained by his Shidoshi, Senzo Tanaka, to do just that. Fighters from all around the world face each other in the Kumite, a secret tournament known only to the greatest, and only one will prevail. Jean-Claude Van Damme stars as Frank Dukes, the role that launched him into stardom, alongside Donald Gibb, Leah Ayers, Bolo Young, Roy Chow, and Forrest Whitaker. Newt Arnold presents Blood Sport. The true story of Frank Dukes, martial artist, ninja, U.S. Marine Corps Medal of Honor recipient, CIA covert agent, and fight choreographer who sold a sword that he won to the Kumite to save orphan children and the pirates of the Philippines, whose master sins of Tiger Taka was definitely not named after the James Bond character, and you only lived twice, who was Ed Parker's Long Beach International in 1967, and said that Big Moore was actually passed through the Bruce Lee, who, according to Donald Dragon Wilson, said he was able to cheat on full of better sacrifice. So luckily, the plot of the movie, like a lot of a lot of uh, our our favorite kung fu movies, is pretty straightforward. Of you know, this is just there's the secret under fight an underground fighting tournament in Hong Kong called the Kumite, 
and the best fighters from all around the world come to it and uh jean-claude van damme is is frank dukes and he's going to to compete there and he showed um, up and he's like this is just the haircut i have and they said it's fine just <laughs> yeah roll with it. um and then he uh, meets and falls in love with one of the other fighters, which is always great to see. <laughs> um, and uh, and that's and that's uh, Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, Donald Gibb. <laughs> um, which is always cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but and it's uh, yeah, the, the the movie's just great. But it starts with like he's like in the military and is getting sneaks out and and has a uh, Dewey Cox has to think about his whole life before he can go on with the rest of the movie. Yeah. Kind of oh movie. yeah. I mean, it's beautiful though. And that, actually like the real beginning of the movie starts with a montage showing you yeah. all the cool stuff that's, that's going to be that's happening. Right. Not only do you get to see them basically making the set for the Kumite itself, but you get to see all these random characters. And I mean, you can understand these fighting game ass characters. I love yeah. It. How influential, influential this would be for uh, fighting games, not only the characters themselves, but the settings. Cause they show you all these different locations. My favorite is like, kind of like the Capoeira um, yeah. out in the forest kind of fight where you you literally mm. see like the background characters from a fighting game just cheering yeah. with torches in their <laughs> yeah, hands. Yeah, with torches. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> too good. And uh, I mean, you get to see Jackson, uh, Donald Gibb. Yeah. He, he has the best lines in this movie for me. He does. <laughs> I heard you can get killed at that kumite. I'll leave you fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the best. So good. Yeah, it's too good. And uh, yeah, you get to see Chong Lee uh, basically smashing some big ice blocks. Yeah, um, Bolo's. They guy. don't really go into his story too much, but based on the imagery you see, you can tell that he's from Korea. That's like mm-hmm. the you know the trigrams, the Korean symbol on his headband, and the guy, his like assistant, has some some Korean stuff on too. Yeah. And um, this movie plays pretty fast and loose. Yeah, they with, really uh, Asian nationality. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's something sure. like. I was talking about in Enter the Dragon, where it's like this Asian fruit salad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got these Japanese terms in the kumite. You've got them filming in Hong Kong. You've got all of these different nationalities meeting and facing each other. Um, and I'm pretty sure some of the signs that they have behind them at the kumite are sideways. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the characters aren't supposed to be facing the way they are. Dude, good, good catch. Yeah. Well, at, at the risk of bringing up our last film subject. I, I don't know. Honestly, I was really impressed with like an aspect of blood sport that I hadn't, I guess hadn't really thought of this way before. But um, when we were talking about, especially say like enter the dragon where on paper, it's like a Hong Kong Hollywood co-production, but we, we kind of all had the sense that um, some of the Hollywood players are kind of steamrolling some of the Hong Kong crew. Right. Um, and even I would say like kind of depictions of uh, wherever they are in Asia aren't always, I don't know, the most tasteful or, or whatever. And I've got to say, uh, it just wasn't quite how I remember it. I, I feel like in general, the point of view of Bloodsport, it's like, it's very neutral. It's very calm. I don't know. It, you kind of feel like a fly on the wall of this like era of Hong Kong. And I think like a really exciting way. And also I got to, I have to just like love how much Hong Kong crew is involved, even just from the cast side and actually a little bit from the choreography side as well. 
And I don't know, I feel like these actors are treated as as kind of equals in the cast, which sad to say is like pretty rare for any of these kind of like East West kind of collaborative ventures. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like actually the movie kind of comes away, uh, I, I think pretty tastefully, pretty tastefully rendered, I guess. Yeah. And we're in, uh, what is it? 1988, this film comes mm. out. And I mean, by now we're, we're, I mean, in pop culture, we're already pretty in love with, with all of this stuff. And it's, you know, been, treaded in so many different ways but yeah i feel i feel your point there let's see jean-claude van damme no retreat no surrender was what 85 86 yeah uh yeah yeah, 85 and then um yeah just before this let's see oh he was gonna be the predator did you guys know that oh i did not know that yeah so they actually were, were in production in predator and he was like the suit actor for the predator and at the time it, it had a different design but for um i mean various reasons some people say he was fired or some people say that he quit he left the production side of things i think arnold said he was complaining all the time <laughs> <laughs> um and i mean thankfully they um went with stan winston's design for the predator which i think is so amazing yeah Mm-hmm. And uh, if you see pictures of what the predator looked like while he was <laughs> in the suit, it looks ridiculous. Oh yeah. my gosh, uh, it's coming back to me. I definitely have seen those. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the story that uh, often gets told is that Drunkon Vendem did not uh, understand that um, the bright red costume that he was wearing was going to get keyed out and mm. the monster replaced uh, with special effects. He's like, nobody's going to be afraid of this, this, this lobster, this red lobster <laughs> in the jungle. And like, he didn't understand. Like, May it, I do more know. splits, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think about what could have been with that though. But I mean, yeah. Predator also, I mean, one of my favorites and I love that design so much. So I'm glad that they went with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the cool dreads. Yeah, I'm looking it up and it looks pretty doofy. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, the the kind of the way that Frank gets into like fighting at all is that he's sneaking into a house um, with some friends and they kind of kind of ditch him whenever they hear a noise. Um, and he he respectfully puts this this sword back. And I love because then then Roy Chow's kid runs out and just kicks him <laughs> right in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And the way that that kid is overdubbed is great, too, because it's like a Jean-Claude Van Damme Jr. voice. You're not going to call the cops? (laughs) Like, at once, it's so off. But on the other hand, it's it's completely perfect. Like, yes, there's like when, you know, they burst in or even when he is like uh, entering the home, he's so affectless. He's, He's just like. You know, he might as well be like T posing. He he's just kind of like right. he's just there. He's like kind of yeah. like stunned uh, uh, uh-huh. and a little bit like slow on the uptake. And yeah. I don't know for some reason that feels like it's really hard to do. Like, oh, here's very quickly a, a younger version of this character that we know. Um, uh, yeah. But I think that this movie like nails it, wearing like this oversized oh, giant uh, 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 baseball oh, yeah. jersey, just like. No, that's totally John Claude Van Damme as a kid. Just like, yeah, like yeah. deer in the headlights, um, uh, uh like s- speaking some kind of uh English, um, you yeah. know, just perfect, utterly perfect. Totally. He's actually like he's perpetrating is what I call perpetrating. He's wearing like a San Francisco Giants hat, 
but like a New York Giants <laughs> like jersey. Yeah, that's that's just wearing yeah. two different teams. You can't that's, do that. That's why Roy Chow's son whooped on him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I, oh, yeah. that's really funny. <laughs> But I think that's Ro- yeah, Roy some of the production didn't double check. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Uh, the special edition they've like gone into yeah. after effects and yeah. <laughs> I guess him them him being in San Francisco makes a lot more sense than him being in, in upstate New York. So <laughs> uh, that could be his backstory. He's just getting like jumped everywhere he goes. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> he needs this like martial arts from Tanaka son. Um but yeah, Roy Chow is like we've talked about him before on the podcast and American audiences by this point would have seen him in temple of doom, but he's just so perfectly cast here. Um, there's just, I don't know. He's such a charming guy and, you know, says so much with so little, I haven't been able to put my finger on it, but I feel like there've been a handful of stories that are totally in the footsteps of this like blood sport flashback. And also like what I'm thinking of is also contextualized as a flashback, but like a kid like breaking into a house and being mentored or something. I don't know. Something about it this feels like influential, even if I can't like conjure it up. But yeah, um, I mean, I could well. see that. The the thing that's great to me is that I mean, it, it, he goes and he looks. He's visiting uh, Senzo Tanaka as an adult, and he's flashing back, and it keeps cutting back to him looking at that sword like like five times <laughs> over the course of like I don't know like more than 10 minutes worth of a flashback and there's even yeah. a montage within the flashback <laughs> i love like the yeah. layers of that all and i mean it's a great training oh, inception montage, that's too. the one like, i'm thinking of yeah yeah, I'd borrowed them from that. <laughs> yeah. and uh all the blindfold stuff really cracks me up i love <laughs> where it gets to beyond just fighting it's like now you're serving me dinner blindfolded and i i was yeah. i mean in my mind i'm just dreaming of Oh, now you're driving blindfolded. Like, <laughs> like it should yeah, just keep like getting the crazier. Mad TV version, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or I was thinking, like, in um, that'd be like in like a Hot Shots or a UHF or <laughs> right, something. Right. Would yeah. be you can drive blindfold now. Yeah, but it's nice compared to um, like other films where we see this trope where there's kind of a setup of like you know, your final special move. I think Mm -hmm. it's really, it's really subtly done because I feel like you're actually really into this relationship of um, Frank with uh, Tanaka. And so I I don't, yeah, I feel like at least as a first time viewer, I don't think you're, I don't know. You've probably kind of forgotten about it by the time it really comes to mean something at the end. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it really does have its cake and, and it eats it too because um, you know the flashback is doesn't have um, uh, one kind of um, uh, uh, how do I say this like uh, energy like uh, right. the way that it vacillates between um, and a lot of this has to do with the music. Um, you have these like really bright when it wants to be serious and have the kind of weight of tradition and so on happening. These like really bright synths, um, like really sustained notes, um, uh, kind of like tangerine dreamy. Um, and then and then you get like the uh, fighting tough, it going up the mountain, and like you know the the yeah. like the stock like programmable drums at the time they could only go like boom boom boom. Um, 
uh, so like you know it, it has this sort of melancholic mysticism weight uh, uh, of remembering the past but then it also gets to be a montage at the same time which you know doesn't necessarily plant the seed of like oh this is his this is his final combo um uh, <laughs> uh it, it doesn't you know it's it's um dynamic enough to be uh, telling stories on like multiple fronts or or like entertaining you while also giving you like exposition um totally. which is like a really brilliant and difficult thing to condense into a into a flashback like you get to choose like one like emotion like is there pathos here or are we like you know reflecting on like an awesome tough guy time and it gets to be both remarkably yeah no, the the score definitely makes this movie. Oh, dude! Like yeah. the, the best. The movie, the, the the synth is Paul Herzog and Stan Bush. Yeah, yeah. Paul Zerong and yeah, and Stan Bush does a couple of songs. Which oh man, is, which I know that is like that's Carlos me. in a nutshell. Yeah, there. don't get me started. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> that but yeah, the fight to survive is an amazing song. Yeah. It's like it's that's like if you're making a workout playlist, you got to add that to it. Oh, and for the movie itself, it's actually, like, narratively important. Like, it delivers you all the information you need. It's more coherent than any of Frank's actual (laughs) stories. It's a pretty low bar, but... (laughs) But, yeah, this this all sets everything up. So, um, we've got uh, Frank in Hong Kong, and then Mm -hmm. he quickly meets uh, Jackson, um, yep. They introduce him in a very American way. He's foreigner yeah. hitting on an Asian girl on the bus, but he doesn't actually lean I, into it too hard. Where it's like, I love yeah. he immediately backs. Yeah, down. He's like, hey, you want to be a bit with a big man? No, okay, cool. <laughs> he takes the L pretty. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he takes a confident L. He doesn't like push yeah. too hard. Um, and we also get introduced to Janice, this uh, a reporter lady who is. There's a there's a few of these in in 80s movies where oh, it's totally. like the moxie, sorry. the perm, the yeah. No, I was sorry. A huge thunderstrike just happened outside. Whoa, cool oh, power man. again. Okay, um, <laughs> she's great. Uh, no, everything about her. Is yeah, she's great. No, I was gonna say it's this is in a few different movies like uh, where there's the girl, so that's like oh, our hero is definitely straight. Don't you worry. Yes, he hangs around a lot of men and gets very you know affectionate. But no, he's super straight, guys. Come on. Look at this girl, right? Come on. Um, I want to talk about Karate Champ, guys. Do you yeah, I know. Yeah, I was pumped to see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's how how Jackson and Frank kind of kind of hit it off is, is they're playing Karate Champ. Yeah, they bond over video games. That's yeah. Awesome. And those lines are great, too. We're going to for sure drop in some of these lines. I, yeah, yeah. The... Aren't you a little young for full contact? Aren't you a little old for... Video games. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How come that's not like a perennial meme? Is it? Yeah. Like, For real. I don't know. Yeah. There should be more, more blood, more blood sport posting, please. <laughs> you Jackson? You look like a Jackson. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one too. Dude, oh, got him, man. man. That's it's chills. Um, but yeah, and that's uh, we also get introduced to our. I think they're supposed to be. CID, not FBI. I always thought they were FBI agents, but whatever. 
Um, but like these U.S. agents that are trying to hunt down uh, Frank Dukes and bring him back, mm. and that's where we get Forrest Whitaker and yeah, uh, Norman totally. Burton. Um, but yeah, very a very young Forrest Whitaker. Dude, yeah, he's amazing. I, I feel like mm-hmm. they capture like some of the tone that you're talking about initially, Craig. Where it's like, I don't know. I think if these guys are too cruel or too over the top or whatever, I don't know. I think it breaks something. I don't know if it's just, if it's on the page or if it's just how these guys are playing it, but you get these sense that it's like neither of these guys is really like a threat yeah. and we're not totally against their ambition here for bringing Frank in. So I, I don't know. It somehow stays kind of like light and comfy or something. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It, like it really reminds me of like, um, the kind of trope in, in like teen movies, uh, and I, I hate to point to Ferris Bueller, but I'll p- point to Ferris Bueller, where it's like, <laughs> you can't have a rad time. You, you, you absolutely cannot on this day off. You cannot have a rad time. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. uh, and that's kind of what the Forrest Whitaker duo, duo is doing, is they're just like, you, you can't have a rad time. Oh, man, yeah, they're, he's they're, having a, they're the They're the fun place. He's having a rad time. Right. Oh, man, we can't do anything about it. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah, I was also right. the the thing that jumped. It's not quite this silly, but it's almost like Boss Hog or something. Where right, it's like, right. like the they're trying to trying to stop their our, our cool rebel uh, heroes, and and he gets into you know hijinks and throws his hat on the ground. <laughs> but we've also Mary had his throne, but yeah, we've also got uh, Lynn, our little uh, our our tour guide of the the Kumite itself. And yeah, I, yeah. I really love that dude. He's awesome. And uh, he takes Frank and Jackson into uh, Kowloon, the walled city, which is a very notable thing about this film is that they actually did film within the walls of the Kowloon walled city. And um, it was it was destroyed. It doesn't exist anymore. So it's pretty cool to see them walking through these corridors. It looks all grimy. And you see yeah. all of the like the power lines are like just hanging in the hallways. Yeah. It's it's crazy. These aren't yeah. built sets. This is them literally walking through there and it takes them to where they'll be holding the tournament. That's also where we get one of the best lines in the movie where he's Lynn is like talking to the guy in, in Cantonese to let him in. And then he just looks at the two of them and goes, okay, USA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so it's great, awesome, man. Yeah. God, it's funny um, thinking of mid to late 80s, like Hong Kong domestic films of this period. I mean, I, like, I feel like we can picture, you know, some more kind of like slapdash, um, no permit, quick pickup sort of shots around Hong Kong. But I don't know. Again, I'm so impressed with, how they really make Hong Kong kind of appear and just, I don't know, whatever scouting like went into the production, like you say, it's like, I don't know. It's much more exciting material than frankly we get in like Hong Kong films of this period that you'd think would, would kind of have covered every inch um, scouting wise. And we're, we're so used to seeing like from the Hong Kong side, these films, uh, taking this footage and I mean you think about when it comes to Hollywood you know outside of like stuff like Enter the Dragon these big big guys like um, this is the next one that really gives you an eye into what yeah. Hong Kong looked like at the time so now we're at what uh, you're Tanaka you don't look like Tanaka yeah <laughs> right yeah that's a good one yeah <laughs> it says he represents the Tanaka clan you don't look like Tanaka Shidoshi Tanaka, train me. 
What's the whole up? He says Senzo Tanaka is his Shidoshi. What's the difference if Bruce Springsteen is his Shidoshi? He has to prove that he really was the like the student of, of Tanaka. And he does like the cool like there's a stack of bricks and he, he hits hits it and only the one on the bottom breaks. This is the, the dim mock, the the yeah. legendary death touch. Do you guys know much about that stuff? No. I, this is I guess some, not. Like, kung fu uh magic yeah. tricks, basically. And uh that was this is also uh you know something that Frank Dukes has said. And this also reminds me of other notable martial arts um, suspects, I guess you can call them. Um, there's uh, Count Dante, who always would have like advertisements in comic books, like learn learn the death touch, you know, mail in <sighs> your, you know, $20 to me and I, I'll teach you all the martial arts secrets. And um, he was based out of Chicago and um, he was linked to a... A society called the Black Dragon Society, which is also what they talk about here in Bloodsport. The Kokuryukai is what they call it, which translates to that. And um, this is like in Mortal Kombat. When you're playing Mortal Kombat, you get to like the bonus stage. Like in Street Fighter, you know, you're beating up the car. In Mortal Kombat, you have test your might. Test which is, your might. Yeah, basically yeah. they take like the... I don't know, like the the timing bar from a golf game, you know, when you're trying to figure out like your strength of your swing, but you're smashing different items, and I'm, that's straight off of uh, what you see here in Bloodsport, and I love I love it. Now we get to see the our, our our U.S. agents are teaming up with the local police, and our local police is head up by who else but Philip Chan. Oh yeah, it was great to see him. Which that's it's so it's so cool because. I saw this, I saw Bloodsport before I watched a lot of our Hong Kong movies because it was before we started the podcast. So it was cool whenever I revisited a couple years ago and I was like, oh yeah, he's in like, he's, he's always a cop in every, yep. in every Hong Kong movie in the 80s um, and 90s because he's in like Super Cop. Super stuff. Cop. I think, yeah, on the podcast, the last time we talked about him was in one of the Lucky Stars films. I believe yeah, it was Twinkle right. Twinkle Lucky Stars. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, he's in Twinkle Twinkle. everyone's in that movie. Yeah. So. One of the things I wanted to tell you guys, it, it was so funny for me when I was doing all this Bruce Lee homework. I was looking into Bruce Lee's death, of course, right? And I saw there was like a TV special, a Western special about the death of Bruce Lee. And they're digging into things. They cut to a point in this special where they're like, we are talking to a, a an inspector from Hong Kong, a specialist. And he's going to get down to the bottom of what happened. And when they cut to it, <laughs> it's, it's him. It's Philip oh. Chan. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Come on. That's like a I mean, huge... I think we did mention that like his back... He- he did yes. have actually a background in the yeah, forest. Yeah, he was before. a cop at one point. Oh, for sure. Yes, definitely. But, but there's a huge <laughs> asterisk on yeah. this special. I believe it was from recently. Yeah, you don't, you don't keep the title forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So me knowing all this, I, I was like, oh, no, this special oh, is really losing a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just another thing that I love as far as, like, um, again, how we're really taking advantage of the Hong Kong cast um, just the fact that it, um, we're also casting Philip Chan the way he mm. typically is cast in Hong Kong films of this yeah. period. Um, it's like a wink to the, the yeah. audience. Yeah. I mean, it really seems like they're, um, I, I don't have any kind of names credited, but it seems like the, the casting director must have worked closely with, um, with some kind of Hong Kong based 
uh, yeah, they had to have shaken hands with some production in Hong Kong to get a lot of this done. You can just yeah. Oh yeah, we didn't even mention this is a this is a Canon Films production. Oh yeah, Golden Globus. Yep, I believe and- that. Jean-Claude Van Damme signed to a three-film deal with Canon Films at this time. And actually, um, he broke contract with Seasonal to do No Retreat, No Surrender 2 to do Bloodsport. So, yeah. And it was actually a situation where it sounded like he got the the role out of a desperation like he he met with um Menaheim globus or you know uh one yeah. of those guys and he, golan and or globus yeah, yeah he's like please like just give me anything and he's like i'll you know i'll do it cheap and i think he got paid like twenty five thousand to be in the film and uh they were like well we have this script and actually i mean going back to things i could mention that frank dukes uh in 1980 came on the radar of martial arts because of an article in black belt magazine uh, referring to this story. And then after that, it kind of, he, he, he talked his way into uh, doing a film and that's, that's how we ended up here. Oh, I did also want to just call out a couple of other um, Hong Kongers behind the camera. So in addition to all of Frank's tall tales, um, basically whether it's his website or kind of any material he really makes a lot of uh noise about choreographing the van damme films that he's involved in but (laughs) we do actually have a couple of hong kong folks that were really um, doing action directing on the film so there's john chung long and then uh lee ka ting and actually i think it's uh john chung actually he did some act action choreography work on uh dragon the bruce lee story believe it well or yeah he oh, hey, yeah you. he's the um the johnny sun character in in dragon yeah. the bruce lee oh story. cool yeah so you you get to see him on camera a bit in this film because he's one of the competitors but yeah that's great to hear i didn't know that he was involved yeah. with the fight choreography but you can definitely see it because what I mean, you you see all these different fighting styles in this film, and you can see, like, I mean, obviously Jean-Claude Van Damme's uh, style of uh, fighting on camera is very different from some of the other competitors. And you do get some bits of complicated Hong Kong-style choreography with, like, the Hong Kongers that you see in the tournament. But um, I do think it's, uh, it's a really cool thing about this film that you do see these different fighting styles and honestly i mean i would love to see more of that where you get to see maybe a little more in depth of the different martial arts styles and there sure. different films over the years really cover that but i think having the kumite having the format of this tournament um really really sets you up for oh, really tell- being like oh who's this guy or yeah. what's that guy do and it's just <laughs> yeah, it's just really cool, and it it does leave you wanting more. But um, yeah. So we're we have little interactions between uh uh the fighters before the tournament actually starts, and there's a great little scene where there's like a Middle Eastern fighter that's hitting on the actress, um, the actress. I'm sorry, the the reporter, and they they do the 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 great. And this is another uncle thing. Hey, grab this quarter out of my hand. Do you think you're fast enough? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I love how they they do that, where it's like kind of this. Yeah, he the, like swaps out the coin. Yeah, yeah so fast. It seems like a cool also, like. I'm pretty sure this Middle Eastern guy is just a Hong Kong actor in brown yeah. face. Oh yes, yes. It, it's, I mean, it's so fascinating. And a Westerner dubbing like, his voice. Like yep. 
at once he's like Saudi, but then um, clearly, I mean, his name being Hussein, like it's yeah. a, a very clear reference to Saddam Hussein. So it's like, I'm sorry, yeah. is he Iraqi or is he Persian? Like, I'm not like, yeah. like what's? <laughs> I or, what? guarantee the writer of the movie did not know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but just like the, the gold tooth, the kind of like, um, yeah, the total like sociopathic um, uh-huh. uh, 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 ways conducting himself is like so like caricatured Saddam Hussein. Um, yeah. yeah, something else. The other thing is that he has a gold tooth, and you, it's a very notable gold tooth, and that will come into play later in the movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, and this this leads into our uh, yeah the, to the actual the actual fights. Let the tournament begin. Yeah some real good stuff there's some like opening ceremony kind of stuff some very like pecking opera kind of stuff and it's and i'm sure that this was a uh uh an an, an explicit like story or whatever that frank deuce told where he like bolo goes to fight and he like breaks this record for fastest knockout and then frank deuce comes up and immediately breaks it again (laughs) um which i'm sure that i'm sure that's a stupid thing he made up but but yeah, but Bolo's Bolo's great. He always. Oh man, I just amazing. thought of something. Do you think he ever recorded an audio commentary? Because that would be. I oh, did. I did Lord. actually try to find. I don't have a because you know it would just Bloodsport be like one upping everything that that yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme does. Oh man. Oof. Well, and and Duke said that before they started production, he met with Jean Claude Van Damme and realized that Jean Claude Van Damme wasn't in good enough shape, so he went put him through like a rigorous training <laughs> like <laughs> regimen and I guess Jean Claude uh. Van Damme said that uh, it was like some of the hardest training he's ever gone through. But <laughs> as their relationship progressed, well Frank just went to White Castle every day. Yeah. They they would literally just end up like talking shit about each other there was even like a uh frank dukes ended up suing jean-claude van damme i believe it was for the quest um and uh he he basically was questioning jean-claude van damme's fight record which is also kind of a thing that has happened over the years and i think there's just a little bit of confusion and i mean there are so many other podcasts and youtube videos that go into all of these details so i mean if you are into Bloodsport and you haven't heard of any of this stuff, I I just Google it and you will have an afternoon <laughs> with just pure <laughs> entertainment. All of the stories will happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, here we are at the tournament. And and I also, like I was mentioning, all these different fighters. Some some of them are more notable than others, and you'll see they'll like, get their own little spotlight. Like, obviously, um, Frank Duke's and Chong Lee and Jackson. But um besides that, there's a couple guys that kind of get a kind of cool little spotlight. Um the one the fighter is a tall fighter with blue shorts. I believe his name is Swan Paradis. He doesn't have any lines, but um he's played by Michel Kisi, who is actually a, like a longtime friend of Jean-Claude Van Damme. And they came up together. They actually traveled to Uh, the states together to kind of make it in hollywood and he'd go on to be he actually had a a deal with uh canon as well and uh Mm. he would be tong po the villain in kickboxer nice he looks very different in that and kickboxer is awesome too i like that movie uh a lot and uh that was like maybe a year or two after this and then I think yeah, it came out the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think then it's like Cyborg, which I also really like. I haven't seen Cyborg in a really long time. But what I did learn about Cyborg is that Canon was originally going to do 
uh, uh, Spider-Man movie. And I I knew that, but I knew that Michael Dudikoff from American Ninja was originally going to play like the lead in that. And I mean, that'd be crazy to see if that ever came to be, but it was canceled. But um, they had like sets built for it. And I think it was actually sets built for a sequel to Masters of the Universe also. And uh, they weren't able to use... I mean, the, the the films didn't pan out, but they used the sets for Cyborg. And I never knew that until I was doing homework for this uh, episode. So that's kind of oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So this is when we got our montage set to Stan Bush's oh, Bike man. Survive. Yeah. Um, where we could see all these different uh, fighters and stuff. And it's 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 an excellent montage and a movie full of great montages. Is it, do, y'all, do y'all have any of y'all have a, a favorite uh, random bit fighter in, in these montages? Um, because <laughs> I love the um, I think his name's like Paco or something like that. Oh, the Muay Thai. Oh, yeah, um, he's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. And he's like he's very, very thin. His hands are always kind of like almost like limp up in the air. Um, but then he does these crazy <laughs> knees and stuff. I, I like him. Um, I I guess talking about fighting game stuff, like there are so many shots where I mean, even more so than other kung fu movies that we've seen, where it's like this. Uh, side on shot of two opponents facing each other in this movie you literally get like the idle animation of a character from a fighting game yeah. you see that in this movie yeah. like yeah. at least a couple of times where these two opponents are in their like idle animation like ready to fight each other it's it's the bomb i love it yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a really good point like not only are they distinctive visually like just based on like costume and like a uh, body type but they're also uh, holding themselves in a way that you know speaks to again like different fighting styles and you know they all have little idiosyncrasies that make them mm-hmm. distinct from one another and again they're, 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 this is a montage they're not on screen for very long but they get to be pretty full um you know they yeah they feel like they're coming from the four corners to like fight in the ultimate competition um i think it really successfully sells the the format of the kumite um uh, you know as enjoyable as like the the you know the cock rock song to like fighting <laughs> is like it it's <laughs> doing a lot of heavy lifting in 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 world building terms mm-hmm. right no super super well said oh, yeah the other thing i don't know if we've like singled out yet but i feel like maybe what's um, most infamous like cinematically about like blood sport and it's on-screen combat is really the use of slow motion. I mean, these are probably mm. some of the most well-known, well-remembered um, slow motion sequences. And yeah, um, yeah. I would say that like the total martial arts package of blood sport is really interesting because when we're kind of in real time, I would say the action's usually very sort of grounded. Like think Karate Kid if it was, you know, like more competent and um, the camera was a little smarter. But it's not very it's not very fanciful. Um, it's not too connected to say, like the Peking opera style or, or anything like that. And then that kind of material is always very tastefully like um, interrupted by just these really gorgeous like slow motion shots and so it's i don't know i feel like it was it was a big influence on action going forward not only back in the states but you can you can absolutely feel the impact of um that kind of slow motion on hong kong action kind of following bloodsport oh yeah nice nice 
So yeah, I guess our our first set of uh, fights for the Kumite. I notably, I I mean, of course, Jackson wins his fight pretty quickly. And yeah, that that what I was getting at before about longing for more is like some of these characters are introduced and then they're just taking out in like one or two hits, which is yeah. like, dang, I wanted to see more from that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Chong Lee uh, viciously defeating all of his opponents. Um, Frank Dukes ends up fighting the uh, the Middle Eastern uh, dude and uh, he defeats him and then the guy tries to sneak a, like a sucker punch in and then uh, he turns around and elbows him and actually what i heard was that uh jean-claude van damme made contact with that elbow and knocked him out so the first elbow you see him landing actually knocks out um them and then they there's another shot of a second elbow landing that's from another take but um Mm -hmm. jean-claude van damme i think we mentioned it a little bit in the last episode but um he's kind of notorious for connecting in in the middle of choreography and that actually would become a matter of litigation as the years went on, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And that also, that leads to his, his, the tooth gets knocked out and there's the little, Oh yeah. There's the, there's a the guy that, that runs out and grabs the, the gold tooth out on the ground and like bites it. it yeah. Which is a regular, uh, Hong Kong face that I recognized. And yeah, I, I was trying to think of what I saw him. Oh in. yeah. No, I, I think it's Mandy Chan, isn't it? Yes, yes. And yeah. um, I know eventually we're going to be talking about mismatched couples, the Yumu Ping, yeah, Donnie Yen, but he plays a, like a punk rocker in that, and he's got like a bright red mohawk. I remember him from that movie. And but he's been in a yeah, couple of stuff that we've talked about. I, I think it was uh, Drunken Tai Chi. he's in My Lucky Stars. He's in, Could be. I think, briefly, too. Yeah. But I, I, so Drunken Tai Chi and mismatched couples are right around the same time. Both are Yumu yeah. Ping and... Uh, Donnie Yen, and I think they share a lot of cast members. So after our first uh, round of fights, uh, we get one of my one of my favorite just showing where America was in the 80s uh, scenes, which is our our agents at a Chinese restaurant. Or I guess it's not Chinese restaurant. It's just a restaurant because they're in Hong Kong. Um, but they're they're at a restaurant and they're eating the food and they're like struggling so hard to use chopsticks and right. making jokes about how the food's not killed yet and stuff and and I do like that the the film Chan walks up and's like you guys should ask for forks yeah and he's <laughs> yeah. like I I never eat here he says yeah <laughs> yeah that's an it, it's interesting structurally because the joke is on them um you know like. Right. I expect um, the joke to ultimately be on the food, usually. Like, from, from a, on a, like, uh, I guess I'm just maybe mainly thinking of, like, a, a Breakfast Club-esque um, kind of uh, right. uh, uh, films. But, yeah, like, I gotcha. it's, it's like the, the joke is the food. But, no, the joke is yeah. on them, very firmly on them, uh, which, like, I, I, like, I very deeply appreciate. Um, uh, just, like, on a... I guess again, like the bar is low for this sort of thing, but like you know, mm-hmm. ultimately they're the buffoons, uh, which is a refreshing thing. Yeah, that's true, especially nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like Bloodsport doesn't, I don't know, fly over to Hong Kong and like trash it and leave. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it really tends to show like just the metropolitan area and the people in in a pretty great light. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's, it's a modern city. It's just, it's just different. Like it looks different. Ours are a little different, but it's still just a modern city. And it transitions. Yeah. As like 
orient. It's a little, it's a little orientalist, but it's definitely not as bad as as a lot. Yeah, of and we don't have like Frank's character making this kind of um. Comedy. Yeah, it's true. It's our, it's our kind of like, kind of like ancillary uh, antagonists that are are the ones that are like, what's going on with these people? Yeah, you know. It, it transitions into the cutest chase scene, I guess, you'll, you'll see in an action movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so adorable. What's up Do with Do you this? guys understand why he, like, he's stopping so often to kind of make sure they're It's just, it's just like, haha, I, you know, it's like this yeah. kind of Looney Tunes kind of, you can't catch me situation. But it is very Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, gotcha. it's got this. Like it um, should have like the Benny Hill music and it doesn't. Mm, kind yeah. Of yeah. Right. Well, that's what I was going to gotcha. say. It has like this insert song that almost sounds like it would be more suited for like a romantic yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess that can lead into uh, the romance side of the film, which I feel like is the most awkward part of the movie. I oh, think. dude, they're just role-playing as, like, government agents, and it's, <laughs> yeah. like, the thruple It's like a, yeah, role-play, or, like, a meet-cute or kind of situation. Yeah. You can't get me, yeah. Yep. But the whole Frank Dukes and the uh, reporter thing is, like, I don't know, it feels really forced. And I, I feel like the the most like tension you feel romantically in this movie is actually like okay i guess in the senzo tanaka training <laughs> segment where uh he's got him strung up and oh, yeah. like this like romantic cue kicks in and frank dukes like <laughs> you know like survives through that training and overcomes it it's like mm-hmm. so focused on their staring at each other and the way the score like is swelling <laughs> it's wild and then like like yeah like what you were talking about earlier matthew like towards the end of the film the relationship between jackson and dukes really has oh, yeah. this like it's... bromance kind of like really like meaningful no, it, it's like like it, like I, I i kind of is a half joke but like it really is like there's there's more romantic chemistry between the two of them at the end of the movie than there is between him and this reporter lady. yeah and it goes in but, line with a lot of the hong kong stuff that we've talked about like um mm-hmm. a better tomorrow and you know these heroic like brother brotherhood kind of situations where it's like i just need you know i need to like either like defeat you or or be with you this whole like kind of thing which is really fun to me like a ryu and ken in street fighter like they're just tied together by fate you know Mm -hmm. like everything that happens will eventually bring them together and if something happens to the other one then it drives the the other person to either get revenge or like strive harder um we see that in kickboxer also it's kind of a situation where um well i guess not a romantic thing but it's like this like my brother literally in that it's like my brother was defeated so i'm gonna do everything i can to uh defeat this opponent and here uh, frank duke's like complete motivation is to honor tanaka that's the whole reason why he basically goes awol and like you know fights to the death <laughs> it's wild right right yep. but um we're we're moving into uh like our second run of tournament matches and we get to see some more like kind of 
varied fighters. Chong Li, like, and at the end of the last one, I believe, is where he he literally killed a guy, right? He just straight up kills a dude, and everybody's like, "Dude, not cool. Why did you? This is like this is the Kumite, but you went too far." <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. wait, I think that's 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 on this day. Oh, okay, but but yeah, that's that is it is funny because they like we're in an underground fighting tournament, but killing people, we're not like we'll allow it, but we're not wild about it. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, uh, Dukes fights against this really aggressive, tall opponent that's like, I'm he does the like slice the throat, like, <laughs> I'm gonna kill you, oh. and then like he just gets owned right away, he just immediately gets knocks him out. It's so good, yeah. But Dukes does so, like, he does like a nice like roll to a jump kick, and again, we get a really cool, like, yeah, uh, I don't know, stunt dive. It looks really nice. Uh, we also, I don't know, have we mentioned that sumo wrestler, uh, oh, dude? Yeah. He's He's no, great. Oh, no, the, the huge dude. Yep. And that's like um that's a Hong Kong actor that I recognize. Yeah. Too. He's, I think his name he's, is David Y. Or David Ho Dai Y. And yeah, um yeah. actually He's he's been in a few things. Yeah, we saw I think him, he was in Better Tomorrow. Yeah, he we saw him in a Better Tomorrow. I mean he's wearing like a trench coat in that, but <laughs> or jacket. So it's a, a bit he's different. He's also like seven feet tall or something yeah so huge guy. he's not quite that but he's very he's a very large bear when i was when, when i was young i was always like oh there's e honda that's, yeah that's, that's e honda <laughs> right, um, right. He, he's on and you, he's a little cameo yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got him fighting this opponent that's using like a monkey kung fu and i mean that's mm-hmm. very street fighter like almost like a blanca versus e honda situation oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so it all leads up to uh the fight between Jackson and and Bolo or uh, Chong Li is the character, and I love this is the the classic like he he takes him out, but then he's so busy gloating and like <laughs> cheering to the crowd that Chong Li is able to get up and, yeah. and just beat the crap out of him. And it's brutal. Like you think, yeah. you think he's killed him initially. I, I um, think of fighting games here too. I mean, not so much the games themselves, but like in tournaments. There's been a couple like meme worthy moments where uh you had like in a big huge tournament, somebody thinks they won and for some misunderstanding they get up and it's like, wait, the fight isn't over yet, and then yeah. they really dramatically lose. There's like Yeah. Some of my favorite like big tournament moments have these these situations going on. It's like you didn't finish yet. Like wh- one of the memes is like, "What are you standing up for?" Because this dude like thought he won and he just got yeah. whooped. But <laughs> not just the fighting games on the screen, but the tournament players. Yeah, actual behind yeah. the controllers. I think, and, and that's is... um. Uh, there's some. I remember watching some football game where the guy like made this huge like you know sixty yard run, and then he went like. Th- threw the ball down in celebration oh. at like the one yard line. <laughs> he hadn't actually got a touchdown yet. Unfortunate. Ah, uh, it's great. Yep. But yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat stuff. We, we, we see Frank Dukes fighting yeah. the, the sumo character before that Jackson fight. That's right. And he that's does right. the, like the Johnny Cage nut punch. And actually, yep. um, I was at, uh, a retro like game convention. This was some years back. I think Alex was this. Yeah, he was with me. We're talking to Daniel Piscina, who would be the the actor that was Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And he told us the story about them originally wanting to have Jean-Claude Van Damme. They were originally going to make like a blood sport game, but Jean-Claude Van Damme I mean, for various reasons, didn't agree to it, but they still wanted to make this game midway and uh 
that's what they, they, they kind of just made a blood sport game anyway yeah <laughs> just it's like call it yeah that. um they went ahead and daniel piscina would go on to um be the 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 character johnny cage in the game who's basically mm-hmm. based off of frank dukes and he does the you know that the nut punch that's one of johnny mm-hmm. cage's iconic moves and actually daniel piscina would go on to be uh, on the screen in Ninja Turtles 2, I believe. He's a Foot Clan member. You see him in, in a couple of scenes. And I mean, we've mentioned Ninja Turtles a handful of times. Hosung Pack also. Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat. He was um, a suit actor in that. And he was in Drunken yeah. Master 2. Yeah, so Drunken Master 2, yeah. Always fun to see those connections. And I mean, mm-hmm. so many video games owe so much to Bloodsport. Oh, yeah. So Jackson gets uh, kind of sent to the hospital um, and the reporter Janice. Oh, the actress for her is Leah Ayers, by the way. Mm, I don't yeah. think we mentioned her name. Right. Um, but she basically narks them out <laughs> and <laughs> uh, just reports it right to Philip Chan. Oh, man. Frank Dukes is doing Kumite and where is it, it is and everything. Isn't it hilarious how she's like, I'm undercover. And they show everybody cheering in the crowd and she like literally like pulls a recorder out and is talking into it <laughs> while she's in the audience like wow real subtle <laughs> I, I love that i know how to get a story yeah it doesn't already stick out like a sore thumb now she's like <laughs> um uh, busting out the home alone uh, uh voice recorder <laughs> the talk boy the talk, oh, the boy. talk boy oh man beautiful we get a uh kind of montage kind of just like scene of of, of frank Kind of like sadly riding home on the on the bus while the an- another Stanbush song on my own plays. Yeah. another good one some cool some cool shots of hong kong at night which is always i love i love the way that that this like the hong kong because yeah, some of the movies we watch are, are period hong kong movies from the 80s but whenever they're modern day i always love the way hong kong the 80s looks yeah you get totally. to see jean-claude van damme doing splits over like the skyline of hong kong yep that's good <laughs> yeah, it's really great I mean, if if I could do splits like that, I'd do it all the time too. So oh yeah, I can't blame too much. I mean, he he earned a career out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, you do also get a bit of our uh, bumbling uh, police officers chasing yeah. after him. I love that um, they bust out like these really like retro. I mean, not at the time, but those tasers. They look like oh, yeah. huge, yeah. like they literally look like phasers from Star Trek: Next Generation. Yeah. Yeah. Don't they say like, oh, do you want? 40,000 volts or something. Yeah. Don't make us use 50,000 volts on you, Frank. And it's one, yeah, one of those where it shoots the prongs. And I, I, for me, I think it's hilarious that he blocks it with like a garbage can (laughs) lid. Yeah. I think would conduct, like he would get shocked holding that metal lid if the (laughs) the prongs hit it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too much. Dude, Frank didn't. And he, he, yeah, he didn't. He's, yeah. Or he's like, oh, I felt it, but it just it didn't do anything to me. So <laughs> oh, he did a uh, pressure point to him before they he got to the. Yeah, cops he knew they were going to shock him, so he he prepared his body. Yeah, he he slowly got shocked with a higher and higher voltage to get adjusted to. Yep. It. Like Blanca in Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really what happens no. in uh, Blanca? I think 
One of the stories. No, Blanca is, is from he... his like fact-checked memoir. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a man he met yeah. in Brazil. Yeah. I think one of the things was like he trained with electric eels or something, and that's why Blanca can generate electricity. Gotcha. Blanca's. <laughs> oh man, Blanca's whole thing is wild. Actually, there's a really good article recently. Oh, there's a YouTube video of it too, where um, uh, Drew Mackey, who's also like a VGM podcaster, he does some really great like investigative journalism on video games but it's all this fun like esoteric stuff and he w- did a whole article about the origins of street fighter characters names and blanca's is really interesting and he came to some really definite conclusions about it i i'll include that in the episode notes because it's oh wow it's, it's cool. really cool yeah it's yeah. i learned a lot from that and is really entertaining so now it's the the final day of the kumite oh man your boy paco is fighting frank duke's yeah, yeah, and he 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 gets he he gets beat, but he he looks I don't know he he looks great. I just like the he's kind of good. He's got a good look to him. Um, but but this is whenever we get the fight with uh where where Bolo uh I guess Chongli uh kills the opponent, mm. and it's so it, it is really cool. It's a cool moment because like every like the the ref is like horrified. And Bolo's trying to like pump the crowd up, but the judges like turn away and and stuff. It's it's good. I mean, finish him, right? Mortal Kombat. Here we are again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just thinking about Chong Lee, like, um, I think uh, just like sheer physicality. Um, uh, I mean, there's also, I mean, there's the big braggadocio thing, you know, he's super confident and has like a cadre of people that will repeat his name over and over again. Um, He's flexing his pecs constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. He feels like, like genuinely formidable, like, uh, genuinely a threat, genuinely deadly. Um, and you know, he's not even particularly like Hussein, the Saudi slash Iraqi slash Iranian <laughs> guy, um, gets to be more like, I don't know, um, like some aspect of the like vulgar evil kind of treachery of the, the, you know, the baddie, but like Chong Li is just like a killer. He's just like a, 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 a big man who kills other men. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I really think it's just a, such a, such a successful, um, you know, feat of like costuming and bodybuilding that Jean-Claude Van Damme feels and everyone that sets foot in the ring with him just feels, um, like, uh, you feel fear like on their behalf. Totally. Um, he's, uh, the way it's shot, the way he's kind of, yeah, he's just, he's, he's one of the more successful, like intimidating baddies. I feel like I've ever seen sketched out on a film. He also gets some of the best lines in the movie. He does, yeah. You break my record. Now I break you. Like I break your friend. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But break, not hit back. Yeah, the the enter the dragon callback line. I love that. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, when they meet for this fight, he has like the supreme like flex. He's got Jackson's headband wrapped around yeah. his leg and yeah. and earlier like when jackson was gonna fight chong lee uh duke says watch his right leg and he's literally got it wrapped on his right leg oh man that's like doing a taunt in a fighting game really yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, totally. i'm provoking you to mess up and uh not only i think his taunt would honestly be him 
uh, shooting snot rockets because he does it like <laughs> four <laughs> times in the movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but this is a this is a great final fight because they're like it really does. It goes back and forth, and then Bolo fights dirty. Uh, he he throws like mm. chalk or something in in his in his eyes, but yeah. Uh, well, this is the kumite, right? Like, the, there are no rules, really. So yeah, there's no no rules. Just you can grab the chair from under the the ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a cool thing too. They they like incline the ring for the final fight, so it's like oh. like both the two sides kind of like wedge into the middle. Uh, yeah, Dukes is, in his accounts of the kumite, he <laughs> says that the different like. Uh, days of the kumite there were different types of stages like platforms that you would be on one's like an elevated platform one was like a narrow strip like you were in a corridor and i mean whatever thought came up in his mind that was took hoverboards to go from one (laughs) to the other (laughs) yeah so um this is kind of reflecting like what his his story of what the kumite was but also i i guess i didn't mention but i he it he also mentioned that it didn't take place in Hong Kong. It actually, the, the Kumite that he was talking about. It was about, like the Bahamas or it something. Took, right? Yeah, it took place in Nassau, which I guess isn't like oriental, uh, you know, romanticism. <laughs> so uh, here we yeah. are in Hong Kong. Dude, now I'm just picturing in like My Cousin Vinny when the uh, Fred Gwynn's character, the judge, is like starting to get onto him. And so <laughs> he's like checking his background and he keeps saying, he's like, oh, no like frankie Gallo, no it's frankie Gallo. see and like he keeps like <laughs> i'm just picturing frank is like no yeah. no 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 nasa no no yeah. no no nasa in florida like where they do the <laughs> yeah. where they launch the rocket because <laughs> oh. did you guys read that one because um like one of his claims like in his military career is that he got the medal of honor oh yeah um, and then there, but there's like no record of it yes it's like one of the most easily disproven things yeah you can and, in, do. and in modern times people have they've submitted like foia requests to like get information and there's nothing about that in his record yeah but right. i guess previously he had this photo of himself oh, in man. uniform with the medal of honor but apparently like all the badges and pins were like not correct and like the medal for the medal of honor is like for the wrong branch of the yeah, military. Like army. <laughs> yep. And so then I guess his response is like, yeah, why did they, why would they give me the, the oh, wrong uh, medal of honor? And then it's a, apparently oh, that man. they're trying to like scrub his record. But then I guess years later he said, oh no, no, that was never like a, an actual photo. That was a Halloween costume. Uh, oh, all right. Uh, the, the back down. I didn't, I didn't steal yeah. valor. I, I was simply yeah. uh, masquerading. Uh, jokes on yeah, you. Yeah, it's you who misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> really this is my your published <laughs> biography. Yeah. It's an endless rabbit hole, guys. It yeah. it really is. <laughs> that's the that's some I'm I'm not remembering the exact phrase, but that's some phrase that like the truth has limits, but lies are like endless or bottomless or something like that. Oh mm-hmm. man. Yeah. I mean just is you it? just have to listen to him talk. If you if you listen to him talk in an interview, you'll kind of get an understanding of what type of person this is, I think. And I feel like just knowing how people work. All right, if I knew people were being so critical of me and it was like turning into this huge thing and I'm saying that there's proof of these things, but I still haven't proven it after so long, like cuz it's like 
I mean, it's up to the person that's saying the story to prove it, right? <laughs> if this ha- right, hasn't right. happened by now, you kind of understand what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not to but, get I mean, too deep into it, but it's no. pretty easy. But to... I think, uh, like, I like the idea of, I don't know, bringing all that context in where, I don't know, on paper, there could be so much going against Bloodsport. Like, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, has trouble with more than two English sentences in a row, the ha- <laughs> haircut again. Um, it's, we don't, you know, it's not like a murderer's row in terms of like screenwriters and director and everything. And yeah, the origin of these stories is like very dubious. Like, and yet like from that crazy stew comes this like unstoppable movie that mm. you can watch a million times and not get sick of. And I don't know, it's it's like truly a classic, like Bloodsport's going to outlive all of us. It's, I don't know, kind of amazing. Yeah, it is. And um, Sheldon Ledich, who like was credited as the writer, yeah. there's, you can hear all these stories from him as well. And um, he, he and Jean-Claude Van Damme had said that the original cut of the movie had like it was edited horribly. And actually, what I read is that Jean-Claude Van Damme himself handled editing after that. And that is part of what your end product is. So it's crazy for me to think about them letting... I mean, we've talked about Jackie. That's kind of a different situation. Like Hong Kong cinema, everybody did everything. and um, But in a Hollywood format, can you imagine letting the lead actor edit their own film? (laughs) god but then it ends up being this like it's crazy to think about that <laughs> yeah but this movie rules it does totally. but yeah that, that that leads us to the end that's one of the best slow-mo shots in the movie is the the it's a pretty famous shot of of jean claude like screaming mm-hmm. in slow motion and yeah. like tensing all of his muscles um and then he does the the ultimate disservice by making Chong Li have to say mate like saying uncle to, to end the fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that great Jean Claude Van Damme like helicopter kick. It's yes, it's so cool. And actually, in yeah. Killer Instinct, Jago the character he's like the Ryu clone in Killer Instinct. That's like one of his main moves is that Jean Claude Van Damme kick. But yeah, that he, he gets the he gets like this the ceremonial sword and he uh, wins the kumite. And then visits the visits Jackson in the hospital where they have a very, a very sweet moment um, between the two of them. And then he gets to do one last joke on our, on our agents. And then that's the end of the movie. So then you find out what the true story is. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then it freeze frames on, on Jean-Claude. And it's like, this is based on the true events in the life of Frank W. Dukes. (laughs) Yeah. He (laughs) said those numbers that they post, like, fastest punch to a knockout is like 0.12 seconds or something yeah he said they used uh footage like framed frame by frame footage to determine mm. those speeds and mm. i'm like oh so there's footage of the kumite right where's the yeah. footage <laughs> he's like but i thought you said that no one had footage there uh, uh well uh <laughs> and i mean to 
to spend your life talking about a secret tournament that nobody's supposed to talk about. It's, that's just it right there. I got you, oh, dude. Man. Why are you it's talking like, about it's like, this? It's like telling everyone that you're a spy. Yep. Like, yeah. Oh, did I ever tell you guys when I was a kid? That you're a spy. No, when I was a yeah. kid being a goofball, but also like just trying to seem cool in front of people. I told one of my best friends in like fourth grade, I got to tell you something after school. And uh, I'm the next karate kid. No, I told him I was a robot. <laughs> oh, dude. See, that, that rules like that's that's pure like childhood imagination sure. like yeah. just you know let's say you were also a child yep. not deep deep like whimsy like you know the, the world is still magical that's that's decidedly different from the dude in high school who told me that he got a gold-plated ps2 early um oh, that's man. see the the venn diagram between like that and used car salesman and like mm-hmm. the dude who uh, hallucinated the, the Kumite. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, this is, it's a perfect circle. Yeah. But oh, sometimes man. when your madness spills out like that, when it becomes like completely pathological, you end up like building like an interesting myth, you know? Um, yeah. It, it could be completely smoke and mirrors and just all like uh, uh, pathology and insecurity, but like, secret fighting tournament and like whoa special forces like that Mm -hmm. is the whatever like you know uh uh, uh, primordial stew we were born out of um similarly you know i I feel like uncle movies dad movies uh like this get born out of a stew of like man like you know i was like secret forces but i couldn't tell you about it and like they had to track (laughs) me down and i had to run away from you know all this kind of like um um like deep like uh fantasy making i think mm. it's uh uh in a way like i i understand like I, I can i can see both ways where it's like how did this chaos turn into this tightly uh uh, uh woven uh sharply uh, edited movie um but on the <laughs> other hand it's like oh it was just a dude like just being like a dude um and having like a cool dude fantasy um yeah. uh so of course it would snowball into something that rocked um <laughs> right no that's such a yeah that's such a beautiful point and like yeah there must be something adaptive like evolutionarily to telling crazy tall tales completely completely yeah and uh, you were saying earlier carlos that um you know when you first see the movie and you get those like title cards at the end telling you it's based on a true story. How smart is it that that's saved for the end? Like, I feel like it would cast a a very different kind of shadow over the whole film. um, If you open with, you know, kind of your stock and trade based on true events or, or whatever. And you also get to avoid any legal issues of having it being officially in the credits that it's based on a true story. Oh, (laughs) right. You'd have it both ways. But yeah, that's Bloodsport. I've been wanting to do an episode on Bloodsport since probably like the second month we did Heroes oh, 3. Dude, awesome. so, oh, that's awesome. So I'm really glad that we got to, to, to finally do it. And I'm glad that you got to join us, Craig. Yeah, dude, yeah. So I mean, this movie, um, you know, without going into a whole like um, uh, Craig flashback where I'm trying to steal a katana. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, this existed in the pantheon you know next to like alien and die hard and terminator you know it it was completely uh, you couldn't disambiguate it from from uh, the canon at least from where i stood and like my household 
um, you know, uh, making someone say mate was like a, uh, I feel like it continues to be a meme uh, uh, of my friend mm. group. Like, just say it, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that. My um, my my brother-in-law, uh, I mentioned Bloodsport to him, and he said, oh, yeah, we played we played Kumite all the time whenever we were kids. <laughs> he's, 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 he's a little older than me, so. Uh, Before we go, did you know that uh, Donald Trump's favorite movie is Bloodsport? <laughs> you know that doesn't surprise me yeah. if, if that can, is true i would not I i'm not it. that surprised there's a really great uh it's like an oral history of it i guess there was a reporter that was covering him this was like in the late 90s and um one of the things that uh, came out of uh this reporter sitting with trump for a while i think like over some days is that being a compulsive liar. he well yeah right exactly um was that he was on a like a flight and he tried watching some movie I forget what it was but he got bored with it and he wanted to watch Bloodsport like his favorite movie but uh, one of the funny things I think is that he wanted his son to fast forward through all the dialogue parts and just get to the fights. <laughs> <laughs> That's very on brand. Oh, I thought you were going to say that he got on a, fl- on a flight and sat next to Frank Dukes and oh and they just <laughs> fell in love. Oh God! You want to you want to talk about Matthew Hell's listening to Donald Trump and Frank Dukes talk oh, to each other? Yeah, but have go. they ever been seen in the same place at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. On that note, I think we should wrap it up here. Yeah, um, this was a cool. great time, Craig. Thank you so much yeah. once again. Yeah, of thank course. you so any, much. Man. Any anytime you do uh, uh, one of my dad's movies, feel free feel free to invite me. <laughs> can do send a list over and we'll we'll (laughs) so uh if uh folks want to find uh my main podcast uh swim fans um swimfanspod.com we do erotic thrillers we just wrapped up 10 weeks of uh crime films uh crime noir very loose uh sort of grab bag um and it it seems like we're jumping uh, immediately into uh october uh already so uh, Gosh, uh yeah, swim fans bloodbath will be right around the corner and um i'm excited about the the picks that we have a little, little secret a little little secret but we get we're, some good ones are coming down the pipes i'm excited i i loved i loved the um okay. all the crime movies this this summer and i'm super looking forward to the to the continuing stuff big swim yeah. fans bond uh fan here so me too yeah uh we i we love our podcast um i gotta say we 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 are we are fond of it um i feel like i I listen to it more than most people um just like uh like i get to like pull back in real time like oh yeah this conversation that i had with my friend uh you know like it's weird it's awesome god i'm so good at this (laughs) (laughs) it's the and aziza and and sorry a story about him him walking in on kanye listening to his own music um uh, but like <laughs> no it's normal i swear it's normal yeah oh, that man. was that's how I, that's how i felt with de- derailing at the very end of the show but um i really listened to i was really listening through some old episodes and i listened to one of the episodes i was on and i was laughed at a joke i made in the past <laughs> I'm like an asshole <laughs> that's great anyways that's self-love that's self-love right there 
And thank you for listening to the episode. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, then you can leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Heroes the Number Three Podcast on all three of them. And you can shoot us an email at Heroes the Number Three Podcast at gmail.com. And also, I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Matt, who just started listening through the podcast and probably isn't going to hear this for like a year or something. Whoa, so, hey, time man. travel message. So, time travel message. So for next week, our training, Carlos, you're this is a I know this is gonna be very near and dear to you. So Carlos, what is our training for next week? Oh boy. So I didn't <laughs> have to do a lot of notes for this film. I will have to do even less notes for our next <laughs> film. And we're not moving far off. We're jumping a decade. We're going from nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety. And what? uh man, all right, we're we're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. We're, we're doing it, guys. <laughs> I guess from like the 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 perspective of Heroes Three, you could almost say this is a Tokusatsu situation. It isn't, but um, this is a joint venture between the East and the West, and we'll talk about that. But wow, this is going to be really fun. All right. Well, until next week, where we're taking a look at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And I'm Craig. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.